It's our first end-of-year special. We'll talk about the top stories, the state of the game, and resolutions we probably won't keep on today's special TX Waterpool podcast. It's me, James Smith, in beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico. Joe Linehan is on Skype in Texas at your home, right, Joe? I'm in North Texas. I am, yes, in Grapevine. Happy New Year. How are you? Happy New Year, at least in a couple days here, yeah. In a I'm couple good. days. Yeah, today we're going to recap a whole bunch of stuff about the 2019, but how was your Christmas? It was good. Lots of traveling. I drove down to San Antonio, then to Corpus, all over South Texas, and then back up to North Texas. Got here, what, Sunday morning about 1230, and then had a game day the next day. Fun. Wow. Yeah, that's a, I didn't have nearly as busy a schedule. We obviously drove up here after the Christmas celebrations, but uh, New Year's Eve at my parents and New Year's Day at our house. It was a good time. Yeah, good so, Christmas. So do you have snow on the ground up there? Yeah, it's cold, man. It's like in the, I think it was 13 degrees overnight. It snowed just as we got here. Here's a story. So um, I didn't have internet for about a day and a half, and it was because there was, it was thunder snowing. And a lightning bolt hit the transformer that, or transmitter that uh, gives us Wi-Fi at our house. So it was really like cabin living for a while. That's why you didn't hear from me for two days. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you were able to survive. Yes, yeah, I'm. We're surviving and a little bit better than that. All right. So um, let's get to it. So it was a monument, monumental year for Texas water polo, and uh, you and I are going to recap a few of the biggest stories, and we'll also highlight a, a, some of the signs of growth, which are big. There's some overlap, but let's let's all get it out there. To me, there's one story. We sort of joked about it the last time we spoke. Um, in October, the UIL approved water polo as a sanctioned high school sport. And to me, this changes everything. And I don't want to overstate it, right? Because uh, there's a, obviously there's a lot of work to be done. And the way that it actually pans out is, is still open. But uh, but this is this is gigantic. We discussed discussed it in detail, but it, it, it really, it changes everything in the sense that it trickles down. Don't you think? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, we have, uh, 20 months to get this right or 20 months to mess it up, um, until it starts in the fall of 2021. But more importantly, in the, in the short term, this is going to open up doors to a lot of school districts that currently don't play water pole. They are actively uh, looking in and, yeah, and want to play water pole starting in fall of 2021. It also opens up doors and kind of like, the parallel tracks as far as like 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 the municipalities the ymcas you know aquatic centers that uh, may not have wanted club water polo are now embracing club water polo right so there's i mean there's a lot of avenues that are going untouched yeah. or that had gone untouched before that are now the doors are opened so this is a, a, a 2020 is gonna be a very busy year when uh, when the story broke, I wrote something for Swimming World magazine. They were curious about what it really means for the rest of the country. And um, one of the things that I mentioned was it, it does lend the sport a level of legitimacy that for all of the work that's been done over the past three decades or four decades um, to establish it as a club sport, I don't think it's controversial to say that the UIL sanction is just something different. It's a, it's a, it's a elevation of the sport and that will trickle down, as you just said, to clubs, to Austin college, to other colleges, presumably in the state of Texas who are now paying attention. Um, it, it's ramifications are huge. 
yeah, we already have a lot of tournaments, but now a lot of people are also looking to come to Texas now. Oh, that's the that's the next huge growth area. So um, although I think people have known that the last couple of years, but now it's now it's a, now we are legitimate. And that's and now. And so what are we going to do with that? We are kind of with that stamp of validation. Right. And I think it's there's a lot of people that I've had a ton of conversations from clubs to athletic directors up and down the line. Everybody is kind of uh, is kind of on board. You know, we we want to make this transition to the UIL sanctioned sport in the fall of uh, 2021 as easy and as seamless as possible. Okay. But in the meantime, the growth the growth potential is great. It's right. uh, it's going to be sky high. And I am there's uh, and and again I think you hinted at this the hard work now yeah uh, like the hard work now begins. So. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. There, the the story was not untainted. The, there was a, a leadership change about a month prior, which Chris Cullen was uh, dismissed from his position. And I mention it because um, at the time I was I'm not convinced, but I was uh, definitely worried that that was a signal that the decision by the UIL had taken a negative turn. It turns out to be exactly the opposite. The 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 outcome was maybe even better than we expected. There was there was the resistance that there was presented at the UIL, UIL meetings was serious, but not um, not nearly enough to, to to derail the process. And so, um, at the time, what I wrote and what I mentioned to other people in, in conversations was that I didn't think it was a terribly good sign, and I was wrong. It turned out to be that it was that that the process actually almost accelerated. Yeah, and. Uh... I mean, a lot of us wear multiple hats in the in the in the water pool world, especially out here on the fringes in Texas. Um, and Chris Cohn wears probably more hats than just about anyone. Yeah, and it's incredible. The hat that we're talking about is the Tisco Water Polo Chair, which is the head of high school water polo in Texas. He's still highly involved, and he's and he um and and he worked with the new chair, which is uh, Scott Slay, who also wears lots of hats as well. Yes. And we'll talk about him in a little bit, but I mean. This was this was the coming like, you know, the Tisco Water Polo Group, it it yeah, it really motivated the group to get together, to get on board, to work with Tisca, to work with the UIL. Not that we weren't doing that before, but just in that final push in the month leading up to the UIL meetings, it was a great uh like it was a great motivating factor. And although Chris Cullen yeah, was not the chair, he was part of that process and he was still at the forefront of it. And sure. And, you know, this is it takes a village. There's a lot of people that kind of made this happen. I think I've mentioned this before, but Scott Slay, Mac McDonald, Chris Cohn was huge, um, you know, and also the Tesco board. I mean, and, and, and also Dr. Bradup and Dr. Elza and Dr. Harrison at the UIL. This is this is this is everybody coming together. And that was just the catalyst. Of, so. Well, the story, that story would have been a much higher one if the UIL decision hadn't gone the way it did. But well, it, didn't it, it so. Yeah, exactly. So the, 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 it's a it's a water under the bridge, as they say. And Chris is a, still obviously highly involved in the sport and will be for the foreseeable future. At the same time, um, the women of Austin College, they had their first season ever last spring. This is a, another big item for the state. And what they did is ended the season with almost a Division Three national champion or a CWPA rather national championship for Division Three. They lost to uh, McAllister in the final, but this is big. Like I, I don't 
think even you and I maybe expected that result to come. Uh, and if you think about it, if there were a Division Three national championship, as there will be this coming this, this coming spring, they would have made it. They would have made the Final Four. Yeah, and they would have. And for those that don't know, the CWPA is, a, is pretty much an East Coast and kind of the Central uh, United States Conference. And there are, what, 10 Division Three teams in that conference. And the Austin College is in the Western Division of that. And they placed second in their division uh, to McAllister. Um, they were undefeated against the Eastern Division mm-hmm. throughout the year and also at the at the CWPA Division Three Championships. And they ended up just kind of losing, a, like, they just kind of fell short against McAllister in the championship. But, yeah, they were, yeah. Uh, they had nine freshman girls. That's that's the point right there. And they're gonna exactly. and they're gonna be even stronger this year because they're gonna keep that nine girls and then they're gonna add another five or six and they're gonna yeah. be deeper. And I feel for the, all the other uh, Division three teams on in on the East Coast and in the CWPA. And I think they're gonna be competitive and they might even be able to win that Division three nationals. That's what I'm looking forward to. No well. pressure, okay. Coach Lawrence. No, well, he, 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 I think he invites it and he should, I mean, he won coach of the year honors for that fact that the, that the, the kangaroos placed second in the CWP national championship or Eastern Eastern championship rather. And I think that he's looking forward to this coming year. Now um, we, we're not going to talk about it today, but it actually changes the scheduling for schools like Austin college, um, which is a little, almost a little strange. Um, it's something we can go into more detail, but that team is poised for success at the Division Three level, I think, and, and and very very quickly. And they have some good and yeah, and they have some good athletes and and some good players on the female side. And I just am looking forward to watching them play this uh, upcoming spring. So. Yeah, me too. Okay, um, let's uh, oh so let's move on. So we mentioned Scott Slay, uh, who was in the news for as you said, he wears a lot of different hats, but. Maybe for me, one of the most impressive things was just how the foster his foster high school girls won the state championship in just their fourth year. Um, it demonstrates a few things. One is I think it's pretty widely acknowledged that he's a good and successful coach and the, the numbers bear that out. But if you're looking from a distance and you see that foster high school did not exist five years ago, and now they have both a, a state championship for their girls and a runner-up trophy for their boys is actually one of my favorite stories of the year. Very, very impressive. I think, it's, I mean, yes, it's uh, it's very impressive, but I'm not surprised. I believe in Scott Slay. I think he's done, he's been successful everywhere he's gone from Baytown Sterling to Tomball and now down at Foster. He's He has won everywhere. He's developed athletes at every stop. Um, and it's just a testament to those kids that are there and and the program that he's made. I mean, a lot of those kids there at Foster, I believe, play club water polo specifically for, for the Viper Pigeons. And that's the magic ingredient. It's no different than club swimming or club volleyball or, or uh, club soccer for other high school sports. You know, you look at it and then you're going to get like, like, you know, people come up to me and ask, so, Joe, so what high school team is going to win? And I'm like, okay, just let me count real quick. One, two, three, four, five, uh, one, two. Oh, the five's in a win. They go, what did you count up? I go, the number of kids that play club, club water polo. kids. Yeah, and, yeah. And um, it's, it's, it's not just play club water polo because a, a, there's a lot of people that sign up for club water polo and they don't play. It's, it's, it's a sign up, play, and compete on a regular basis. Right. And I believe that there's a ton of those 
girls and boys at Foster, and that's why they get then then they got second boys and first and girls. And it, I don't think that's surprising to anybody. They compete, they're out there, and um, and it's yeah, it's not rocket science, you know. And um, if and then but if, yeah yeah, but it is a testament to Scott Slay building the program and getting the kids to buy in and getting the parents to buy in. And um, that's, that's the impressive part in my mind. That's it. That, that, that to me is creating a culture Correct. because you could, you could have all of those club co- club kids and you should, and you could be a leader who is not you know quite as adept at those kinds of things, but he's created a culture quickly of success, and um, I'm. And they even had both MVPs of the high school season were both from Foster. Again, yeah. I know that they play club, but but that that establishment of a culture, and he's a very low key guy. You don't think that, he, in some ways, if you look at it from a distance, you wouldn't think that he was the kind of leader that he is. But anyway, he's now a seven-time winner of the most uh, of the Coach of the Year award for Tiska, which is the most of any coach uh, ever. So, um, and then we have this coming year, which I think he's going to be just as successful. So, and, and anyway, a mention of Foster as one of the impressive stories of the year. Okay, and then back in January, we did a short piece on the Pegasus 14 and under boys. They went out to a tournament in San Diego that's been around for over uh, for a dozen years. And as those tournament organizers told me, it was the first time that any team outside the state of Texas won a championship. They were in the platinum division um, and they came home with the Pacific Winter Classic title. So that was an impressive story in and of itself. But really, it's an indicator of a larger trend, which is the teams that are going out to California or elsewhere and doing very and doing very well, like succeeding more than we have in the past. Yeah, I mean, I think Pegasus also went out to the Cousineau Cup back in October, and they did very, very well up there. I think they placed in the top two or three in the 14 and under boys division. I think uh, Thunder, they went out uh, recently in December, and in, in the 18 and under boys, they placed, what, a fifth or sixth at, at a huge tournament and placed ahead right. of set in Foothill and um, and SoCal. And, and, um, you, and then also, you know, Southside, at the Champions Cup that was hosted here in Texas, they beat some historically great teams from that's right or, or some strong clubs from California. I mean, and you and you also mentioned like you know I think the Viper Pigeons have been out there. I think Zillow's gone out there and Longhorn and Aquatex. Everybody's has gone out there and done some different things. And this is just you know at JOs like kind of. Every year the teams get yeah yeah we get more teams in platinum. This is just right. the, like like the slow building process of club water polo. You know each and every year just get better and better and better. And this is just the club development. You know this is the next step. You know you're not just going to sit at home during the winter because it's swim it's quote unquote swim season for yeah. you know, for like club swimming or high school swimming right. like the yeah like the clubs are are actively looking to go do things and the yes. kids want to go play and I mean and I and, and I've done plenty of club building in Texas and it just it just boggles my mind. You know, I get uh families that, you know, they didn't want to spend the like like they were not invested at the point, and so they didn't understand why to spend two hundred dollars for the like the seasonal club dues. But now that same family with their third kid playing is like, this is no big deal. I want to do more. Yes, because they're that's invested really good. and they understand the worth of it now. And um, and that's just and 
that's and that's what I see, you know, throughout all all the different clubs that are like, you know, you know, obviously there are some clubs that are, are slightly ahead as far as the traveling aspect. But but a lot of the clubs are just building and getting better each and every year. And um, and right now, you know, Pegasus, Thunder uh, and Viper Pigeons and Southside are kind of leading the way. And I mean, I even think Bernie, even the Bernie Water Polo Club, I think they went out to the uh, Beach Water Polo Tournament in Florida last May. It's great. Right. And these are outside yep. of, the, of the normal, uh, uh, like like the Jo trips. So yeah. I think this is this is indicative of the next step for a lot of these current clubs to take. So it also speaks again to that that idea of culture. It's like you start you have a club, and the culture is set actually rather early, which says we're going to go out and compete. And there are some clubs who are a little more local, and that's totally fine. That's their decision. Um, but the idea that we're not going to just stay in our local area, we're going to go discover what it is we need to learn and what, how we compete against teams from other parts of the country, that, that's a big deal. And so anyway, congratulations to them, all the teams that did so well. All right, we're going to come back. We'll return with uh, more about how the sport is growing. Hey, this is Jesse Smith, recent Pan Am gold medalist. I was just checking out Texas Water Polo from the TX Water Polo podcast. Also, you can check out the website. You can follow me at GoSmith now. Thanks, guys. So a few important items uh, about growth in Texas. We talked about that in the earlier segment, but there's other things that that we that deserve mention, really. And you talked a lot about those throughout the year during our uh, first year of podcasting. But what are the things that stand out for you in particular about how the sport is growing in the state of Texas? I just think, you know, we kind of hinted at it at the end of the of the first segment. You know, the club growth throughout Texas, especially at the younger age groups and clubs, is huge, you know. Um it was it wasn't that long ago that we had two or three different clubs going to JOs and that's it. And then this past summer we had ten different clubs go to JOs. Right. And then from even even from uh from two from twenty eighteen to twenty nineteen, yeah, you know, we went from seven clubs that went to JOs to ten. So these clubs are getting it like they may only be able to bring the 18 and 16 or boys one year, but then the next year they're bringing 18, 16 girls or they go down. And it's specifically at the younger age groups. I'm seeing a growth and, and, and the clubs are, are, are really kind of, kind of focused on that, on that younger age. Because if you consistently have the younger age groups, you're, you're going to consistently have the 18s and 16 and, and underage groups. Right. And like, you know, and we had a couple of events this year from, and then in January, 2019, we had the USA Warpool Dare to Dream event over MLK weekend, which was at the Spring Branch and Auditorium. We had nine different 12 and under teams play, and that was specific 12 and under tournament. You know, I think we, I think we hinted about it in an in, in earlier podcast. We're expanding that this year with a 10 and under and, and under division and a 12 and under girls division as well for, for 2020. You know, the Welcome to Texas shootout in San Antonio, we that yeah that event had been in in Houston or in Austin and then we I think we found a permanent home down at the Northside ISD Swim Center. That's big, yeah. And I mean it's it's going to allow that tournament to grow. Like this year we had 42 different teams. Um, in 2020, that's going to allow us to um, the indoor pool is going to open and that's going to allow us to have up to 75 different teams and there's plenty of other facilities if we get bigger than that to keep growing. But I mean, even more so, 
kind of San Antonio is that one metro area that there is some club water pool going on, but there's so much potential there. Oh my gosh, so and, much. And I mean, they were very successful back in the 80s. I know Jim Yates and Bill Freeman at the San Antonio Water Polo Club, and Matt Ross at Bernie. They're doing their best as far as having the club, uh, like the different age groups and genders. But, you know, there's just so much potential there. And, you know, and I look and I look forward to seeing that that continue to grow here over the next couple of years, especially as teams start a lot more high school start playing high school water polo. And that's that's totally it. Yep, the high school thing. That, that that's if there's an area of uh, of the state that where the high schools are going to drive, or at least contribute greatly to the growth of the sport, it's it's there because you've got these families who've been aching to play high school water polo. Have been sort of checked out of high school water polo except for their local league for a few years now, and with the UIL decision, they're all back, right? I mean, nor, the, the the two main ISDs, as far as we know, they're, they're going to field teams. Well, there's one primary ISD right now that plays high school water polo. That's Northside kind of kind of ISD, and they're going to be playing in the next couple of springs. There is Alma Heights, which is a single school district um, or a single high school school district. Right. And they're in the in the and they're going to be playing a, a little bit more this upcoming spring. But yeah, I mean, we're hopefully like that we can get the San Antonio kind of ISD, the Bernie ISD, the Northeast ISD. You know, there's a lot of different avenues of growth down there and potential. And yeah. I think the like, and just getting that like the Welcome to Texas Shootout, which is a which is a USA Water Polo signature event down there, is bringing a lot more attention down there, and it's opening up doors even even before the UIL thing happened. Um, it's opening up doors for growth in the area, and I'm just excited about it because I'm because I'm for those that don't know, I'm from San Antonio, so I mean I'm so, not. I, so and I am and I am looking forward to seeing it grow down there. Me I mean, and, and, and then there's other little, I mean, as like kind of kind of you mentioned the high school, we had high school leagues in the Rio Grande Valley, in Laredo, in El Paso this past spring, you know, and specifically back to the Rio Grande Valley. A couple years, there was only a couple of schools that would play this past spring. Yeah, uh, there were four different high school tournaments, all done with local referees with eight different schools that played with both boys and girls. That was a huge step. And I'm just anticipating, uh, yeah, like 10 to 12 different schools, a lot more referees down in the area, you know, this upcoming uh, springtime. I mean, it's like, you know, and and then we're going to see the same kind of growth in Laredo, El Paso and Midland and yeah, in Lubbock and Abilene and Bryan College Station East. Yeah, like East Texas, West Texas, and everything in in between. This is, is exciting, this is yeah. the type of growth that is that is very exciting, especially with the whole UIL thing. Now, yeah. as to, to get back to club, you know, this in 2019 was the first year that we had um, the split NGO qualifier weekends. So I mean, split. We used to have all age groups and all genders on the same weekend. Actually, at one point, it was a half a day on a Sunday. Okay. <laughs> Then it got big a couple years ago in 2018. It was three full days. We had so many games. Uh, it this was down in Pearland that and but we couldn't really have a full fledged true qualifier because we just we ran out of pool space. So in 2019, right. we, so so we decided to have two separate weekends: a weekend for the 14 and under and 12 and under age groups, then a separate weekend for the 18 and under and 1600 boys and girls. 
and it worked out great this year. Um, uh, Southside hosted the 14 and, and under um, and 12 and under championships down in Pearland. There's a lot of room for growth there. For right now, that's going to continue to be a Saturday and Sunday event. Um, but then the Cy Fair Water Polo Club, they hosted the uh, like the older age groups. And that was a full-fledged Friday, Saturday, Sunday event. We're probably going to do the same thing in yeah in 2020. But eventually, the next step after that is to to maybe move and have a separate weekend for or or uh, maybe the same weekend, but maybe a separate location for girls or yeah. a separate location for boys. Um, and because it's going to get to the point wherever you know you have 12 teams from a from one age group and gender, that's a lot of games that need to be played to properly the yeah, to properly seed it for the teams coming from our um, from our zone going out to JOs. Right. And we had what I think it was 40 teams. We had probably 42 40. teams that qualified. We had a couple teams that dropped out, but we had 40 plus teams that went to JOs this year. Um, and that's the most ever. And we had 10 different clubs going. We could have had a couple more teams that oh that that uh, would have gone that that there just wasn't enough space. So this is just I mean I don't know if a lot of people know, but you know. Uh, the number of slots that we get for NJOs is based off of, of the membership of the of the previous year. So, you know, our slots are going up each year as we continue to grow. But, you know, let's just say we're growing faster than the number of slots. Yeah. Right yeah. Now. And that's good because then it's putting a lot of pressure for teams to be organized and be prepared. It's not just, you know, kind of be prepared to go to the trip with like, you know, with plane tickets and yeah. And kind of the hotels and you know, parents and yeah, like, you know, parent groups that are helping behind the scenes, but it's also being prepared and getting started right after the high school season. Yeah. To be prepared for, for the J.O. Quals in June. Yeah. So, the so highest number of athletes ever, right, from the zone, uh, the highest number of clubs ever for the zone, uh, including right. now there's a club in Oklahoma that is at. And there was in the past, I, I seem to recall, but um, really pleased to see that they're back uh, in the zone fold. But uh, just all, all nothing but really good news in that regard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's great. And then, you know, it's not something that we're going to have every year. But this year we did have the USA Warpole Champions Club. Uh, at U of H in November, which was um, a great success. And we had three or or we had two boys teams and two girls teams that competed. We even had to have a qualifier kind of for the boys. Right. And we, we dressed up uh, U of H as nice as we possibly could, and everybody loved the facility. Um, obviously, kind of Houston is an easy place to get to because of the, because of the two big airports. Right. Um, but uh, everybody had a great time there. So, um, and I hope that, you know, we, we get in that regular rotation of having a champions cup in, in the Southwest zone on a, on a regular basis. Um, and then, you know, of course, I mean, I'm going to give some props to you a, a little bit with the TX water Polo podcast and the website that's really helped with the awareness of a lot of, a lot of things that we talk about on the pool deck. Now people can kind of listen in a little bit, or there's a place to go to get a lot of good information. So props to you, uh, like uh, a little bit with the TX Water Pool podcast as well. Well, thank you. That should really be the top story if you think about it. I mean, uh, of all things, bigger than the UIL decision is the fact that there is a TX Water Polo podcast. And I, I, I'm a, 
I appreciate that. That's very kind. And uh, as I said in, uh, before, I almost act like nobody's listening to the show. So it's like when we get feedback that's positive, it's always uh, it's always a surprise to me. And not only that, but we have we have people who are willing to donate to the cause, and I, I'm endlessly grateful for that. And for those tens of people that are listening, uh, <laughs> um, I, if I left something out as far as growth, there's it's a never ending list and we keep adding on to it. Um, I'm looking forward to it in, yeah, in, yeah, in 2020 kind of moving forward. And I mean, we're all partners in this together. So, and uh, I mean, this is the potential in Texas is huge. So, and that's why the eyes of USA water polo are here. The eyes of the, of the water polo communities from coast to coast are looking at, are, are looking at Texas and, and we have what 2,200 USA Water Polo members, which you know, only 10 years ago we had about 400. Now, and even only a couple of years ago we had about 1,400. You know, I don't know why we can't have of 5,000 within a couple of years. So, yeah. amazing, amazing stuff. And right, you mentioned, mentioned, and then yeah. if we get to that 5,000, then we're getting into where we're like the like the third or fourth biggest zone in the country and we're right. beating out and we're beating out some of the California zones and I think then it's going to be the snowball effect it's just going to be just kind of knocking it down until and uh, like until we're the biggest one out there so yeah all all things to look forward to in 2020 um which is and beyond. The corner <laughs> and beyond uh, well you mentioned uh, uh, just a moment ago about the top lists um Nobody is more eager than our audience to, to hear what our personal items of the year have been, uh, including movies and TV shows and, and all that kind of stuff. So we figured we would spend 45 seconds on that kind of thing to, to uh, satisfy that, that need. But um, for me, the t- I just saw this top 10 list of TV shows, and I had two of them, I think, online. For me, The, the Crown is my favorite show. In fact, I watched an episode just two nights ago that was just stunningly good. Um, it's it's actually what I figured is, is it's not simply uh, a um, – it, it doesn't just detail the day-to-day activities of the royal family. It's actually a pretty psychological drama as well. So anyway, fits my bill. What about – what about you? I think you have some top TV shows, too. No, I mean, I'm not going to go into the little ins and outs. I mean, I like to go to the movies or kind of watch or binge watch a, a TV show just for the, the sheer entertainment value. Like, you know, of course, I like Avengers Endgame. I, I like all the Marvel movies, you know, kind of Mindhunters on the small screen. Uh, I was a late comer to the Game of Thrones thing. I didn't really watch the first episode until January wow. of, of 2019. So I kind of got cut up by the time the show came around in April, um, and I and I loved it. I know others that were really invested over eight, ten years. They were a little disappointed yeah. with the last season, but uh, I thought it was great. You know, like, like there's some kind of the, like 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 some Netflix stuff, like The Highwaymen and, and The King, kind of kind of were movies that I liked. Ozarks is like is a show that I think I binge watched in early. Uh, in early uh, 2019 i still i mean i'm so far behind on my movies i'd love to see though like you know, like like the new star wars i haven't seen that yet or 1917 or the or the four verse ferrari but i may be just, I, I may just be waiting until it comes to the small screen so <laughs> yeah i you you mentioned mine hunters that's actually something that i really enjoyed as well and i, I don't spend a whole lot of time watching tv shows so they're the, I'm fairly selective although my wife really determines what we watch at night anyway but um that was i, I thought that was terrific 
Um, and uh, The Highwaymen is on my list as well. I want to see that, um, which I, which uh, has gotten really good reviews. Um, for me, the the movie of the year is Apollo 11. Like that, that to me is that that fits my bill. A documentary, big screen kind of uh, atmosphere, uh, and just detailing what it took for these these people to to get to the moon, which they they spent a ton of money on it. But in the end, this craft was patched together with like duct tape and bailing wire and it's just it, it was incredible yeah it's amazing kind of kind of kind of what they did back in the 60s and early right. 70s with the technology that they had at their hands so right. with our iphones have um kind of more computing power than the entire uh kind of the, like the mercury fleet back in the day where so. way more amazing all right new year's resolutions do you have one actually i do i mean back in this is going to make some people laugh out there that are listening. But back in my Houston Water Polo Club days, um, back in 2008, I did not drink a Mountain Dew in 2018. That, that, that was my goal. I think somebody challenged me to it, and I, and I just wanted to prove them wrong. So now that was that was just me and just kind of yeah, just wanting to prove something wrong. But in 2020, I'm going to give up Mountain Dew and Dr. Pepper. Wow. Well, so that's my goal. That's my That is my New Year's resolution. So – and that's more of a kind of a health thing and just starting to eat better type thing. But so if anybody's listening and you see me with a Mountain Dew or Dr. Pepper, you have free reign to come over and just knock it right out of my hands. Okay. So it's um, a little anti-Texan that you're taking Dr. Pepper off the menu. Ah, no, no, no. It's all good. But, um, but yeah, just, yeah, just starting to be a kind of a little bit healthier and being and kind of doing the cliche thing of getting of starting to work out a little bit more starting January one. Hey, it's a cliche for a reason. It works. So we will <laughs> yeah. uh, we will we will see if it works. Um, kind of. Uh, how about you? As far as uh, resolutions. Yeah, I I, I uh, avoid resolutions in the sense that um, they are often highly ambitious. Um, and so, you know, I think I joked with you about like I'm gonna shave, but or something like that. But um, but I do have actually a largely ambitious one, which is uh, just to be kinder. I, I, I'm looking for that as I get older every year is just to be to be kinder and more understanding of people. Um, we'll see how that works. But um, so far, so good. Is I mean, um, yeah, as far as the resident, yeah, my wife does not believe I can go two days without the whole Mountain Dew, Dr. Properly, by the way. What do you think? You, you, you went a year already. That's that's pretty impressive. Well, that was Mountain Dew, and that was a long time ago. But because my wife says I can't do it, that's even more motivation for me to do it. So, no kidding. No. So if kidding. I so if I can get a week, I think I can get a year. So oh, there you yeah, go. no problem. Why not diet? You the diet? Isn't there a diet? I don't even. I haven't had a. Diet I drink soda day. because it tastes good. I don't drink soda because and diet doesn't taste good to me. So yeah, there you okay. Go. I, I agree with you. And I don't, I and I, and I'm not a coffee person, so I'll have to figure out a oh way to get caffeine. I have to, I'll have to figure out a way to get my caffeine kind oh of. Some other way, but, um, but no, it's just, you know, just I'm gonna be uh, kind of, kind of moving a little bit more and eat and eating a, a little less here in 2020. So. I didn't realize you were not a coffee person. That might actually cause me to find a new partner for this show, Joe. Let's be frank. Oh no, you have to, you have some high standards there, Jen. Yeah, so. coffee. All right, that's it. Um, we'll be back in uh, the, in 2020, which is an Olympic year. We mentioned it before. Remnant, uh, Tokyo is on the on the calendar. It may not have a direct connection with uh, Texas, but 
every year that there's an Olympic Games, the sport grows throughout the entire country. So obviously it has that kind of effect on us. Um, and when we get back, the high school season will just be like, wow, right around the corner. So thank you, Joe. I really appreciate it for being part of the show. Um, and we'll see you in January. Yeah, well, thanks, James. And take care and, and enjoy and, yeah, enjoy New Year's up in Colton Effect. So. I love it. Thank you. And uh, have, a, have a good New Year's evening. And uh, for those of you who are interested in this, go to txwaterpolo.com, listen to the podcast, find us on social media, leave comments and all that kind of stuff. Um, we uh, will be back in the first week of January and then things are going to get busy. But thank you all for listening throughout the entire year, for telling friends about this uh, about this show. And until next week, so long from Santa Fe. So this is the new-